This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Back of the Nest Match Review Podcast www.backofthenest.com Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host today as we look back at a fantastic win against Burnley for Palace at Selhurst Park. Goals from James MacArthur and Andros Townsend saw the Eagles win 2-0 then truth it could have been a much greater score. We'll be looking at where the game was won, the tactics, the performances, the atmosphere, all the key moments, as well as reviewing the selection and the contact from yourselves, the listeners. My panel tonight is DR Kernas, Chris Clark, and Simon Pizzi. As you listen, you'll experience some magnificent things. You'll hear a brand new word from DR Kernas. Have a palava. You'll also learn German from me, and you'll be learning Turkish from DR Kernas. And there'll be plenty of other nonsense as well. We'll be right back with you in just a moment. Love our podcast. Listen to our live radio show on Love Sport every Thursday, 7 till 9 p.m., 5, 5, 8 a.m., DAB Digital Radio and online, lovesportradio.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, Tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Right, welcome back from that uh, wonderful break there. Hope you really enjoyed my introduction. It was uh, probably one of my best, I would say. Um, So before we get get going into the match review, um, just a couple of admin points for you. A reminder that the Back of the Nest website, that's backofthenest.com, is up and running. We've got loads of articles on there, a lot more to come. 
Um, a few more of you have registered some interest in writing for us, and that is open to anyone who wants to. Uh, obviously, if your articles are rubbish, we might not publish them. Um, you know, say if Dr was to write an article and it was written in his street speak, we might not might not go for it. But generally speaking, we're uh, we're up for any points of view or in any subjects you want to write about, want to cover as much fan opinion as we can. So get in touch. Check out our Twitter feed at back of the nest and you'll uh, you'll see our little article on there inviting you to to get in touch so but give them all a read as well and comment as much as you like when we link to those articles on our social media um get the discussion going and that also helps us shape this show which is nice uh, so quick chat with my panel introduce them first up i mentioned him a minute ago it's it's the, just an incredible dr kernas here he is hello uh, hello dr how are you um yeah, I'm good. You big dinner? Yeah, massive. In fact, um, had to go out. Well, it technically was delivered to me, but I had to go out and collect it outside. So yeah. Um, can you can you explain to non-native South Londoners what that's about? Um, basically, you give the address, and they somehow still can't find it, even though it's plain simple, and they're always delivered to my house. And therefore, you have to go outside and actually collect your own delivery. So I don't understand how it actually works, and I tip the guy as well. It's just weird. Yeah, yeah, but I had a, that's, that is- had a massive meal, though, honestly. A large pizza, dough ball, potato wedgie. Oh, no. It's, it's been hectic. Potato wedgie? Yeah. Sounds I'm really good. Cons- I'm really concerned you called it a potato wedgie. Wedgies. I don't, believe we've got, <laughs> I don't believe we've got time to get into that right now, but um, I enjoyed that, and hopefully we can clip that in something as well. <laughs> um, also, one other thing I wanted to discuss with you was your message uh, the moment Andros scored. Um, it said watatata <laughs> no, or something no, like that. No, it says watatata guapalapa. Because I've been <laughs> honestly, since yeah, I've sent okay. that message, I've just been thinking about it. When we score one of the goals, I know it sounds good to say, "Oh, what a goal that was!" Or "What a screamer!" Yeah. But imagine saying, "What a guapalapa!" Can you? <laughs> it, it could be an honest game to you because I didn't really think about it before. It just came in naturally, and maybe this could be the future of football commentary you can say what a right, well, for screamers like that i mean i don't need to imagine it because i mean i experienced it from exactly. here and, um, that's listen it was it was special and exactly special just like the goal it makes sense what what's the point of saying what a screamer it's boring now <laughs> come on now let's say what a guapa right, so I'm massively regretting talking to Dio. He's clearly on a sugar high after eating so much food. <laughs> so moving swiftly on, we've also got Chris Clark. Hi, Chris. Hello. Have you got anything as entertaining as Dio to talk about? Well, who can match that? I mean, the, the only thing that I could say is um, Nick Gussett spotted that um, Alistair Campbell was uh, in with, with the home fans uh, yesterday. Um, so, I mean, when when games like that happen and you know they're they're in our end, then you know I'm I'm just thinking, Alistair Campbell, your boys took one hell of a beating. I'll tell you what, the last thing you want is Alistair Campbell in your end. Um, so, also introducing <laughs> introducing our final panelist today, it's Simon Pizzy. Hi, Sight. Hi, Hayden. You're right. Yeah, I'm fantastic, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Bit burpy today. I believe that'll be a factor throughout this recording. <laughs> Um, but but other than that, you know, I, I had to eat quickly and late because we started this a little earlier than usual. Yourself? Yeah, good. I'm half asleep. I'm, you know, sort of four weeks into new baby time. So I'm sort of, the day and nights have merged and I don't even know what reality is anymore. So when we won like yesterday, I was thinking, did that actually happen or am I just sleep deprived? Yeah, I think 
Yes, it would be hard to tell for you. Um, you've been running a lot as well. I keep seeing you popping up on, despite having no sleep and not knowing what day it is. Pictures of you running still keep popping up. Yeah, I've still managed to get that in today. And my daughter, four-year-old, did her first run today a mile. So she did it in 12 minutes. So I was really, really pleased with that, bless her. And she won some chocolate. So that kind of defeated the purpose. But uh, yeah, still good. That's half my best time exactly. for a mile. That's Maybe we good. could like learn a lesson <laughs> or two. <laughs> Or the marathon march. <laughs> so. nah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, excellent stuff. Um, I, I'm, by the way, I just want to say, and I know I mention mutton rolls every week, but I am taking full credit for this victory. Um, we weren't able to meet up our usual group to go to go and have the usual mutton rolls. Um, I woke up uh, yesterday, Saturday, at the time of recording. Um, we feeling very, very unwell. Um, and didn't really think it was a good idea to go out in that appalling weather but i did i did make the, the ultimate sacrifice of going and eating roughly two people's worth of mutton roll type food um and we won so clearly i'm the one who who is oh, driving stop this, this stop this stop this stop 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 hambo look the mutton roll thing doesn't work anymore you can't say one week where we won oh wait it's mutton rolls then the last four weeks where we haven't won oh you can't blame the mutton rolls you have to make up your mind and it's clear now the motto rolls don't work. The only thing that works is mine and yours away game record. Just get over it. Just, well, that, that yeah, does. just get over that the motto roll thing. It doesn't work. All right, it's done. It's finished. Well, we'll see what we'll, we'll, we'll check it by the end of the season, mate. See what happens. All right. right. <laughs> so there yeah. we go. Okay, so let's get into the match review. Give you a little overview um, of, of my thoughts on the game. Palace dominated the whole game from the very start. Twenty nine shots to two. Uh, in reply from Burnley, and honestly, if we'd scored six, possibly more than that, they really couldn't have complained. It was a it was a real team performance. Everybody in the team played really well, and of course, there were some outstanding individuals displays which we will be discussing. Uh, in all the positives, you could still point at the host of missed chances. Uh, you know, on another day, that could have cost ourselves a, a couple of points, maybe. Um, but this is paled into insignificance by the quality of football and the confidence that the team exuded. Um, you know, we had Chris Kamara was at the game and his, there's a conversation he had with Jeff Stelling during Soccer Saturday where, you know, he said how well we were playing and Jeff Stelling commented that we were playing like Brazil. Um, and yeah, it was really, really impressive. So, Simon, you're going to jump in on that. I didn't know if anyone had seen those couple of tweets. I think the first one was uh, from a Burnley fan. I think it was FYP tweeted it saying... I was making them look like Barcelona, God help us, which was quite funny. And then there was not, the one was the, the shot map. So our, our sort of, where the direction of our shots went. And then there's the Burnley one where there's just two and they've gone both over the bar. I just couldn't stop laughing when I've seen that. I've retweeted it a couple of times. Yeah, there was a, a match of the day, the way they showed that as well, made me laugh an awful lot. Uh, we have, uh, I believe we've uh, either tweeted or Facebook or both of those from the back of the net socials, um, showing those shot maps and, the way they flipped it from uh, from the insane shot map that we had, including some shots that went a lot wider than I thought they did during the game. Uh, they then flipped it back to the Burnley one, and it just it looked so... I mean, it, you know, Gary Lineker actually laughed and then said, oh, sorry, shouldn't be laughing at that, really. But you should, really. It was it was pretty funny. But um, incredible overall uh, team display there. Um, I, I just... Yeah, you couldn't really ask for more. Uh, and, and again, your overall thoughts, Dr. You know, you can't can't help but be happy with that. But did you expect that? You, yes, I did, and I remember um, at half time, <laughs> yeah, I messaged um, the group chat saying, "Look, this is, we're definitely winning this one because it's so easy." And I even tweeted it out, and I just it was 
it was ridiculously easy. I was just, it was like this last season as well. I remember facing Burnley and it was just a shoulder in the park. I don't know what it is. Is, is it just Hodgson is a better manager than Sean Dyche? I'm not even too sure, but it was just so easy. And the disappointing thing is that we could have even scored more goals. I think that's really the downside against Burnley. <clears throat> um, apart, uh, could- apart from that, apart from that, there's nothing. What 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 didn't go our way? It's just well, yeah, well, exactly. And, and, and Chris, I suppose the last point, sort of as an overall perspective, you know, a lot of people commenting on how bad Burnley were. I mean, how much of that should Palace take credit for? For, for you know, they haven't had the best as runs Burnley. They're, they're you know in very bad form, and they've conceded a lot of goals, but they had they had absolutely nothing against us. So. You know, do we read a lot into how bad Burnley were, or or should we just concentrate on how good Palace were? Well, I think it's both things, isn't it? I mean, we were. It was a very one-sided game, but we played very well, as we have done against top-level opposition, where we, in the majority of cases, haven't got the results we've deserved from those performances. But you think back to earlier in the season where we weren't having the luck the, you know the goals weren't going in and you know you've got things like so you know we're the only I think we're the only team to lose to Southampton so far this season I mean yeah. it, <laughs> that, that speaks volumes doesn't it um so you know by contrast you know yesterday yes we could have had an absolute hat full of goals and we didn't and that's disappointing but on the other hand you know, I mean, actually, we were playing against a former England goalkeeper who was having the game of his life, I thought. Um, he made some spectacular saves. Yes, we missed a few that actually, you know, should have gone on target. But um, I, I think the, the quality of the play overall merited a win. And I think, you know, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, that, that first goal was pretty fortunate in the way that it went in. So, you know, we finally got the luck we deserved in terms of the performance as well. Simon? Yeah, I was going to say, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because part of you thinks, I wish we had a goal machine up front, a big striker or, or a quick one who can you know, put some of those away. But would we have created that many chances? Because the way we were playing was so fluid with Andros and uh, Wilf swapping wings and playing and going through the lines. So I, don't, I think we would have played differently if we had Christian there. So it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what everyone else thinks, but I kind of think we need to stay as we are because it worked. Well, it definitely did. And we saw that a lot last season. We had that debate, didn't we, of, you know, do we keep Andros and, and Wilf up front? But for me, it really does depend on the opposition. Kurnas? Look, Burnley were bad, but I think <clears throat> tactically you have to give credit to the coaching staff, especially um, this game and last game against United. <clears throat> what is wrong with my throat? <laughs> so, <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just too much food, yeah. Um, last game, we saw how Max was more involved in central areas. And yet again, we saw that yesterday as well. And I think that is, we haven't seen that so far this season. And the main the main reason why we won is because Burnley was so structured and constantly you, you saw that they didn't have much movement when going forward and it made it so easy for us. And the fact that Hodgson actually changed that and allowed more freedom to our players, I think you have to give him credit for that because he's he's been stopping our best, you know, getting the best out of our players for so long, but now he's finally unleashing them by playing them to the best of abilities. Absolutely right. Um, I'm going to throw a couple of stats in here and then we'll, we'll get talking a bit more about that. And um, So we had our, our 29 shots, which is, it was the most we have had in any Premier League game since the 2003-2004 season. Um, that was our first victory in nine Premier League games, drawn three, lost five prior to that. 
Uh, in league competition, Burnley have won just one of their past 13 away matches against us. Drawn six, lost six. And Andros Townsend scored and assisted in the same Premier League game for only the fourth time and the first since December 2017 when, he, when we played Arsenal. Um, that last stat, I'm not sure. That's You can't read too much into that unless you check how often players in general score and assist in the same game. Um, otherwise, that could be slightly misleading. But some interesting stats there. But let's get talking a little bit more about that t- the tactics and the game plan. So, obviously, kept the same um, personnel from the Man United draw. And again, it looked like you know it was it lined up as a four four two, strictly speaking. But as we saw, as Dio was talking about, it's not a straightforward four four two. There is positional rotation amongst the players. You know, swapping in and out of positions, but. Also, again, as you you hinting at there, Dio, it was the the two uh, wide midfield players forming much more um, like a sort of central four. A little bit again, a little bit more like we were last season. That sort of fullbacks push on, and um, and you know, it just looks so much better that way. Um, and yeah, the, the sort of shift in the forwards and the midfield when we're out of possession, we'll see it when we go through the game incidents. There's constantly different players popping up in the box, the furthest forward. I think all of the, the midfield you could you could see had chances on goal and were getting forward at different times, and their and their colleagues were covering them and making sure we could keep that pressure on. So very very interesting. Um, so let, let's let's get into that. Dr, you, you started talking about it. Um, that rotation, of the midfield, and in particular. Max Mayer, within minutes of the kickoff, moved into a central position from the left-hand side and straight away got on the ball and was very, very dominant in there. Yeah, as you said, um, when we were going forward and attacking, we actually didn't play the 4-4-2 formation. It was much more fluid. It was not like Max was playing out wide, but every time we were defending, it was a 4-4-2 formation. Um, what we saw yesterday is similar to what we saw against United. Patrick Van Aanholt, was playing more like a left winger when we were going forward rather than a um, rather than a left back, and where so far this season he hasn't really pushed forward as much. So that's really the difference. We push, we put Max in central area, Rizan McArthur, and we pushed our full backs out wide. So every time we were, you know we opened up Bernie's um, defense up because every time Bernie came in to tackle Max or Macar, there was players out wide which we we could give it to. And so far this season, we really haven't seen that. So. That was positive to see from Roy. Simon? Well, I think you can remember last season when we were at our best in that spell where we secured survival for this season. You didn't know where anyone was playing. They were that fluid. There was literally massive rotation between effectively the entire midfield and, and the forward line. So I think when we are at our best, Roy gets us playing in a really fluid way. Sorry, absolutely right there. <laughs> just, just, just might have been a mute there, blowing my nose. Uh, but on, on that point, it was interesting to see for for me how the forwards behaved. Um, at times, you know, Wilf and, and Andros were sort of taking it in turns to sort of play very central. But you saw them both sort of peeling into the channels much more regularly than we have done. And Chris, that works a lot better. But as we've talked about many times on this show, it only works if other players fill those gaps in the middle. And we did that much better this time. Yeah, as as long as there's someone in the middle to be the target for when the ball comes into the middle, otherwise it, it's completely pointless running into the channel, chipping it in for their keeper to catch it or a defender to clear it. But you know, I mean, and that actually that brings us to one of one of the earlier incidents where um, there's the um, where Wilf and Meyer combine on the left, um, yeah. comes down and gets the cross into the six yard box, and Kiate's so so close to a tap in. 
you know it, that mobility demonstrates the point you were making really about the fact that there were different players in different but everyone knew that they had to make sure there was someone covering that position as the target to potentially knock the ball in definitely um and you know there, there were a number of times where you know it wasn't always Coyote; it was a different player in there, and it was it was very good to see. Um, and talk, talking about the oh, good deal. One last thing that I forgot to mention is the yes, our players were more fluid, but the tempo has also increased so far this season. Apart from the last two games, we playing that walking pace football at times. I think before the last two, we played one other game where we played high like fast football, and that's what we've been lacking this season. We haven't been given the opposing teams that much to think about because we've been playing too slow and playing in a fluid way and fast football like that just opens up defences and you you saw yesterday with 29 shots, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, you, you, you're getting exactly to what I was just about to talk about. It, it was clear from the off that the game plan, It's again, it, it feels it's exactly the sort of things we've been talking about instead of waiting until we were goal down to start playing with urgency. We played with urgency right from the off. Um, and, and, you know, the, exactly what you said, Dio, it was fast passing, it was good movement, it was um, putting Burnley under pressure and, and not letting them, letting them get out. You know, the, the whole game, they were str- really struggling to get out of um, out of their own half and play any meaningful passes. I don't know if they put more than six or seven passes maximum together throughout the entire 90 minutes, and that is in, just an incredible thing to happen against any team, let alone, doesn't matter that they're a struggling team. You know, you, you usually expect spells where even struggling teams are, you know, stringing the ball together and, and putting a bit of um, pressure on. Um, sorry, I've just noticed something really funny in the um, the link to our chat. <laughs> I think I'm concerned it might be Mikey who's, who's named the... Um, right. You might have to cut this out. Can you see Is it, it Mr. Pooh? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Pooh. I noticed that, but I didn't want Why to bring it up. Did you notice? <laughs> I, yeah. I um, it just put I just popped into my eyeline as you were talking there, and I was I am unable <laughs> to ignore something like that. It's like making um, me feel like subliminally I need to go to the toilet. I keep thinking yeah, exactly, I need to go to the toilet. Exactly but I think that. It's making me, yeah, it's making me feel like that. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really sorry. If you do, go me. on mute. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Everyone listening to this, we have a link into into the software that we use and that we have to click on to to join it. And it does contain the letters M R P O O in one sequence. So, very funny. Uh, if you're immature, those of you that are listening that don't find that funny, I apologise. But it did derail me for a second. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it back though. I'm a professional. I'm gonna bring it back. <laughs> we were talking about the game plan there, and one of the factors I felt in enabling us to play with that level of urgency was. Um, the distances between the players. And what I mean by that is we played a very high line because straight away you can see we'd done our homework. We knew that even if Burnley had played with a two up front, you know, whether it was Barnes and Vokes or Barnes and Wood or Wood and Vokes, they're not pacey players. So it enabled us to play a high line. And in doing that, you, you cut out the gaps between the midfield and the defence and the midfield can push that a little bit further up and there's less gap between the strikers and the midfield as well. And all of that became more compact and enabled us to play short, quick passing. And that's what really played into our hands, in my view. And that's that. There's no doubt about that. That's good good coaching, good tactics, good awareness, and an excellent game plan. The perfect game plan, in fact, against Burnley. And that is one of the biggest factors in why it was such a, a polished and, and, and decent performance. 
So there we go. Um, anything, gents, you want to add further to that game plan? Simon, you got your hand up. Well, I felt during the game that Roy, Roy's back, the master statistician is back, and he's, he's back on it. And then when you watch his press conference, he keeps forgetting teams' names. He forgets some <laughs> of the players' names. And I thought, oh, crikey, my confidence left. But it, but it, was, it was spot on from him. But it was quite a funny press conference, I must admit. Yeah, he referred to it as a senior moment. I, I, from from his uh, pre match press conference, uh, I think it's pretty clear he's not been too well. He's probably had that cold that's going around and not me for six yeah. for a couple of weeks. Bless him. So we're giving the benefit of the doubt there. Chris? Yeah, just to say that um, what you were saying about the, the reduced gap between the players really benefited us in terms of someone like Luca, who has been lacking confidence, being able to just link up with the other players around him and having options. Um, and the other thing is to say, I mean, seeing someone like Mayer um, and the increased confidence that clearly he's building an understanding with Wilf down that left-hand side, there were some incredible flicks and exchanges between them yesterday it was it was really impressive and bodes really well for the rest of the season yeah definitely you can see it's it's obvious for anyone watching it that how much Wilf likes playing with Max Mayer it, it, I think you know that's it's not being disrespectful to the rest of the team but at times Wilf's on another planet to the rest of them and I think he's seen in Max that he has someone who can operate at that same level um, and you know it, it can only benefit us it really can Yeah. The good thing about Max is that, yes, he is good going forward, but defensively yesterday, I thought he had a good game as well. Every time he was called upon, he was very good. And I think that's the difference between Max and Ruben. Ruben wasn't so polished at going back, whereas Max, he has experience because he's actually played as a central defensive midfielder for Schalke. So I think that that helps us out a lot when we're defending. And also... Um, when I was talking about Max a couple of weeks ago, saying how he's not physical enough to start out wide and go into the um, go into the middle. It, it just, it, we haven't really, um, what do you call it? We haven't really um, brain fart, brain fart. Brain yeah, I know. You've, I can hear you. Your mouth went dry because your brain is shut down. Exactly. Um, and you're really struggling now. Well, we can go on to you the next to... point. Yeah, it's fine. It just, let's defend on that point. Yeah, no, no, no. let's I, leave that Max I, as defending. I was, I'll leave that Max as defending. I was just, I was, last yeah. time I mentioned it, I was just, I was saying how Max can't play out wide and cut in and, we we haven't really we've seen Max not cut in out wide. He's just playing more central, which is good to see. Hmm. Although of course, he hasn't started for... out wide because every time when we're going forward, he hasn't really started out wide. He's just he's been in the central areas automatically, which is the thing I was worried about. Max playing out wide, I think that's played to his benefit. I really regret sort of jumping in to kind of help you out there. I should have let you struggle for a bit longer. It would have been funnier. You didn't really help me out, Chris. You didn't. Really... I, I tried. <laughs> yeah, you tried. Oh well. No, right. no, but no. Listen, I think it's it's a, it's a good it's a good point you bring up. And Chris Grierson, uh interviewing Max after the game sort of touched on it a little bit. And I think you know Max was suggesting that playing that role for a year, you know, he prefers play, he said he prefers playing further forward and getting involved at that end of the pitch. But clearly, it has helped him develop as a player that that he can do that. You know, there's no doubt about it. You, you know, Premier League, you have to be able to to go box to box in the position that he's currently playing, and you have to be able to chase back and. And win the ball, and he does that. And he's, you know, not only that, he seems to relish doing that, which is just great to see. All right, guys. So let's uh, let's jump into the goal analysis. Scored two, as we said, could have been an awful lot more. Um, and we've talked about it. It was a, it was a bit of luck for the first goal. It started off with a, a Wambazaka thrown from the right um, deep in, in Burnley's half. It been some good pressing. It was uh, Townsend had sort of pressed the ball, and um, it caused them 
Burnley's play a bit of a lazy pass forward, which MacArthur cut out. Um, then it's sort of, there's a bit of a coming together with Taylor and MacArthur, and it ended up, you know, with Taylor claiming a foul. But eventually, ball went in, cleared out for another throw. This time, it was uh, James MacArthur threw the ball to Townsend, back to MacArthur, and he he just sort of steps across into towards the the box, points to Mayer to sort of make a run, and then swings the ball in for him. And you can see everyone getting the ground probably can see what's going to happen there. Mayer's running across the box to try and hit, get to the near post and flick the cross in. It's a great ball in, but I think the biggest factor in our scoring is that Mayer misses the ball. His timing's just a little bit off. Creeps in, touches the post. Keeper can't move until he's seen it gone past Mayer, so there's obviously no chance for Hart to keep that out. 1-0 up. And how important, Chris, was that early goal? Just getting ourselves in front that early in the game. Well, I mean that that's the it marks the difference between the performances over the last few weeks where you know we have one we haven't had that luck um and we've we've had chances we've wasted them and then we've fallen victim to a sucker punch in several cases. Um today, you know, or yesterday that that actually didn't happen. Instead, you know, the, the whole place went up as well. The atmosphere changed. Um We'll have to talk, of course, about the, having the Homesdale Fanatics back, which you know, is a massive boost as well, and having having that noise. I mean, it was. I mean, is that the first goal we've scored at home in open play all season? I think it is, and you know, it's it's a different feeling and a great feeling to actually have been able to jump up and down again because you know it's been a while since we've had that opportunity, and it, it changed it changed the direction of the game. Imagine if we if that hadn't gone in, how many more chances would we have needed before you know eventually they you know Vokes and Nobble something in, and you know we're on the same old path back to defeat. Well, exactly right. You know, it did feel like that they might get him back into it with all the chances we missed anyway. But getting in, getting in front of that game, I think it did settle us down. Um, and I just think going back to exactly what we're saying about that game plan, the real importance, the real reason we actually got that opportunity to even put the ball in the box was because Townsend pressed really high, but not just him pressing. We've seen so often this season there'll be a player pressing. And the opposition will either be able to pass around him because he's the only one doing it, or they'll be able to play an easy out ball up the field. But because we're pressing as a unit, because those gaps are smaller, it forces errors. And we, you know, we—that's why we were able to keep the pressure on. And you saw it in, in what I described there. You know, we started with a throw, we didn't make anything of it, but because we just kept getting the ball back in that same area, and eventually we worked the move perfectly. And you know, I don't think I think you can call it luck, but it doesn't really matter. It, it's not what it's about. I think. If Mayer connects with that ball like he should, he, he probably scores anyway. So um, I, I think we can call it a lucky goal. You can call it a poor goal from Burnley's point of view because they did make mistakes. But ultimately, it was a deserved goal from the work that we did. Simon? I have, to, I have to agree with you, Chris. And it was all about Mayer's positivity for me. Throughout the entire game, he was incredibly positive. But to make that run, and, and three or four games ago, we weren't making that run into the box. How many times do we hear, hear commentators say, not a sing- and match the day analysis, I think it was Alan Shearer, not a single player in the box for a delivery and throughout that game there was consistently bodies in, in the box and as I said uh, I think Roy said you know maybe it's a bit of luck but actually nine times out of ten if you put the ball in that area there is confusion and it's got a big chance of going in also I have to say from Mayer's press conference doesn't he look good in a baseball hat I know it's off the topic <laughs> but pretty cool he looked pretty cool he, yeah he did he did I mean he's, he's got to work a little bit on the um on the pronunciation of the the letter v because he still says wary instead of very, but you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he can sort that out. It's fine. It's you know, 
It's still slightly better than my German. I can I can't say "Kannst du Fenster einer auch machen" or something like that. "Kannst du einer Fenster What on earth was that? What? "Kannst du einer"? It means "Can you open a window?" That is so aggressive. I That's. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're German, but German like it's a bit too aggressive for me. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah, just yeah. like the way they just pronounce words is a bit aggressive. How do you say? Uh, how do you say "Can you open a window" in Turkish? Jamaatsana. <laughs> simple look, lot, yeah it's just short. simple like yeah. German is a bit like uh, like you know what I mean they're a bit like, too aggressive <laughs> how do you say right, well, how do you say Besiktas <laughs> 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 that's that's a little love sport joke there but yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. like that but going with my, um, going to like, looking at even our last home game though um, talking about people in the box against Tottenham that was our biggest downside it was just we were we were attacking Tottenham that wasn't a problem but every time we were it just there weren't enough bodies out there and I feel like this game and even if even if we look at the United game there were people there and we create chances and finally we're not scared to shoot 29 shots it, it's not coincidence that against United I'm not too sure how many shots we had but we I know that we had lots of shots against United as well and against Burnley it's not coincidence it's clearly instruction to take shots which we haven't done so far this season well, yeah, absolutely right. And to continue the goal analysis, though, clearly there was a lot of time that passed between goal one and goal two. Um, a whole host of missed chances, and we'll talk about some of those. But I really you know, want to look at, at the second goal that we've, we got around, I think it was 77 minutes in the end. And it was really quite a simple one, really. Uh, Burnley had made a few changes and were, were preparing to make more. Um, and after a sort of spell of possession, we just knocked the ball long up, upfield. It was a sort of a big up and under from uh, someone's playing, like, uh, playing um, setting off some fireworks. So apologies if you can hear that. Um, not a lot I can do about that. So um, anyway, Coyote he's just knocked it up and under behind the fullback. Andros really gets on it. Just you know, proper shows his pace, gets on the ball, cuts inside on his left foot, and we've seen moments before him cut inside on his left foot, and then sort of put the people in the upper tier in danger. Uh, but this time, sort of Ben Mee sort of, show, sort of shows the defender next to him. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Lowton who's come across or something like that. But he, he just, with his arms, he just passes Townsend onto him. And unfortunately for Ben Mee, the rest of the Burnley defence just sort of stare and watch as Andros winds up a shot. And this time, it's an absolute screamer. Just smashes it into the top corner. Sends the ground absolutely insane. What a great strike. And I, God, I really want to talk about this. I'm going to go to you first, DR, because you've got your hand up. But No, I want to, I'll quickly want to say it's not what a screamer. We just Sorry, talked about this. What, a, what is it? What <laughs> it uh... Guapalapa. Guapalapa. Yeah. All right. Oh, just go and ask me a question. <laughs> ask me a question. I'm just disappointed now. I'm just disappointed. Right. I, need to, I'll need, I'll need to reference the spelling of it. That's the problem. Um, yeah, go up. Yeah. yeah. So uh, look, Andros has been questioned in the past recently. On this show, we've talked about his end product. Is he consistent enough? Does he get enough goals? He's now our top scorer. Um, got an assist as well. But I've seen people even after that game talk about how he's overrated, and then some are going, "What are you on about? He's he's underrated." You know, which, which is it? You know, is he is he actually deliver? He's delivering enough. You know, I know he's cap- we see he's capable of those moments, um, but. I suppose you can't really expect it consistent that consistently for him to score a scream like that, can you? I was talking about it uh, on the Love Sports show the other week, 
<clears throat> saying how Andros, personally, I think he's uh, he's got away with criticism due to how poorly others have played so far this season. Um, I don't, it's just weird. It depends on expectations. I expect Andros to get at least combined 10 to 15 goals and assists. I think that's... I know it, it may not sound realistic, but if you're looking to have a successful season and your, your top player has to deliver that. And I think Andros going forward is one of our most important players apart from Wilf. So realistically, 10 to 15 goals. And if you look at it, yes, he's probably, he, as you said, he's our top goal scorer, but how many has he delivered so far this season? It's not good enough, even though he is our top goal scorer. But it's not only Andros though. Look at Wilf. I don't think Wilf has been as good in terms of getting goals and um, and assists so far this season as it should be. I thought he would kick on a bit more than he has done so far. No, I understand that, and I, and I, I certainly agree to to an extent on um on that that you could you could label, say both of them aren't finishing chances well enough, or even creating chances well enough. Well, that's not strictly fair. We're creating a whole bunch of chances, but you know, ultimately, you're 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 right to say it's not just them. It's it's the whole team, though. The whole team have struggled to actually finish chances all season. Um, but. And let's get, get another view on, on Andros. Chris, what's your, what's your view on his contribution? Well, I, I think he makes a massive contribution and you can see that in terms of the effort that it, where he, he runs up and down the pitch all all game long. And obviously that's that's the minimum you expect. But I have to say, I mean, I, I, I just think he, he's a vital link-up option for us. And, you know, I mean, the, the, the big thing for me, looking at um, what we were talking about earlier on about there not being anyone in the box is, you know, we've got two great wingers there. They've been crossing balls, but our whole system has been set up to cross balls to someone who's not there. And now we've got these players running in. We've got players taking shots and taking opportunities. And that that paid off today, uh, paid off yesterday for us. But also look at look at the Chelsea game. You know, Townsend scored in that as well. I, I think the point being here, they need to be encouraged to take a shot because if you don't take a shot, you're not going to score. Um, that that's the key. But you asked very simply, is is he underrated or overrated? For me, he's underrated because the I, d- I just don't think people appreciate the amount of contribution that he makes in every single game. Yeah, maybe it's not a game-changing um, contribution every time, but he's always trying and he's always linking up the play. And we we need we needed others to step up. And finally, we've got the right personnel and the right system. Keep that going through these next few games and people will start to sit up and take notice, I think. Looks like Kerlans is coming back at you. Uh, well, it's not really coming back. How many... Um, he's only scored uh, three goals, I believe, this season. How many goals and assists do we expect from um, Andros this season? Well, you, oh, Chris, how many goals do you expect? I think, because I think you got it, about right. When you said in total, you said like 10 to 15 goals and assists together. I think that's fair. Well, that's when we talk about Andros's efforts. I, I love his effort and his work ethic, especially pressuring the defenders. But it's a bit like looking at Cameron Jerome. Uh, he he done that as well. He he ran around all game. But what actually matters is goals and assists. And I I, I love Andros. I really do. But he has to. He has to do. <laughs> did you laugh there? <laughs> or did you cough? Uh, oh, it sounded like you laughed or coughed. Yeah, I love Andros. But he has to deliver more in goals and assists. We can't just let him get away with his work ethic. Well, Just for the sorry, record, we're a third of the se- third of the way into the season. He's got three goals, so 
by that that logic, if that continues, and actually I think now that we've found a system that works, he's likely to do better. If he stays on the same, then he's not, he'll be on nine goals at the end of the season. So pretty close to that 10 target, especially if you add a few assists in as well. Well, let's get size view. I cannot let DR get away with comparing Andros Townsend to Cameron Jewell. <laughs> That is unbelievable. <laughs> that is, I'm, I'm even, I'm even thinking about getting in touch with Andros's lawyer about this one. But no, but in all seriousness, <laughs> it's like I've said it before when I've been on the, on the shows. His contribution, it doesn't always look to, but you know, much in the stats. But I think he's one of those only few players that creates a lot of space. Is is again forward thinking and positive. And I just look back to he saved me that awful trip to West Brom in the League Cup with that blinder he scored, very similar to this one. So. I, th- I think he's up there with my top top three players at the minute at Palace. And I think he's been that up for a few seasons. Don't get, wait, wait, quickly, don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing Andros to Cameron Jerome in terms of footballing abilities. It's, it's just Cameron Jerome had a brilliant work ethic. So does Andros. And they're on the same level. That's what I'm comparing Andros to. He's backtracking uh, now, backtracking. <laughs> I was, honestly, that, just to make sure like everyone understands, it's not footballing abilities. They both had brilliant work. They both, well, Andros still has it brilliant work ethic just like Cameron Jerome and I think there's something in that aspect (laughs) okay Um, for me the only thing I I want to add to to everyone's points there is you know there is a bit of an obsession with those who watch football and and again this is driven by the the coverage that we get there's a bit of an obsession around statistics and around the whole concept of end product I mean how angry did we all get when all people used to bang on about with Wilfred Zaha is, oh, you know, he's not a special player until he can get that, deliver that end product. And everyone started going, well, he's delivering now when he scored a few goals. And you just thought, we've watched him for, what is he now, 26? He he played first 16, 17. So nearly a decade we've watched him. Um, And he is, you know, that end product, the goal or a direct assist, it's so little of what he's actually about because it's the, it's the chaos that he creates around that and the, and the work that he does around that. So that's an example that I would give of why you have to be careful obsessing over an assist or a goal. What you have to obsess over is the, the overall contribution that they make. And that doesn't necessarily equate to somebody who runs around a lot. Otherwise, I don't know, we'd still be playing uh, Stuart O'Keefe, you know, Sorry, I know there's a lot of fans of Stuart O'Keefe out there. Just, <laughs> I just offended every Palace fan. <laughs> well done. But <laughs> what I'm getting at is, you know, you, you can you can have a huge impact on, on the team winning football matches without actually registering a direct statistic that people keep measuring and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, just a point to be made there. I think Andros makes a great contribution. I do think we we need to see more more from him in terms of goals and assists. But ultimately, you think if people had put the chances away that he's created this season, he'd probably have ten assists already. Um, and you know, as for the goals, it's uh, you know, as a wide forward, it's it's you know, you usually get them in a, in bursts anyway. So look, bottom line is he had a he had a great game against Burnley and capped it with a the kind of goal we know he's capable of. But it's brilliant to actually see um, see it going on this occasion and great. Great goal to celebrate. They're lovely ones when they hit the back of the net like that. You go a little bit mad, did you, DR? Yeah, yeah. I was like, what a, yeah, I was just I was like, what oh, a Guapalapa. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was screaming. <laughs> I was like, oh, 
You managed to type that while celebrating. Exactly. It just that's how unbelievable it was, and it just came straight to my head. That's why we just have to stick by this. Maka, right, look, well, we- you scored a good goal. Andros, you got the Guapalapa. Well done, mate. <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly <laughs> right. Okay, I just want to get through a few of the the key moments we'd already talked about early on. That combination of Mayer and Wilf on the left hand side, and how Coyote was was uh, so far forward early on in the game, uh, and then later on we saw. Similar, you had Will from that side um, taking a shot, which Macca did a great job of blocking. Cheers, Macca. Um, went for a goal kick. But just the point that he was the furthest player forward at that point in time. But let's talk a little bit about Mayer's chances. So um, there's one he picked the ball up about 30 yards out. He just ran directly at goal, shifted onto that right foot, tried to curl it around the defender and was just dropping towards that bottom corner. And an absolutely great save um, from, from Joe Hart there. And, I think you can see in the way that, that Max was, was running away after hitting it, he was just getting prepared to celebrate his first Palace goal. And Simon, you know, for all the world, it looked like it was in, didn't it? But it was a great early indication of what Max was, was going to produce in the game. It was a brilliant effort. And I, I can't talk positively enough about Max. I mean, man of the match for me and just everywhere. And he's what I liked about There was a bit in the second half where um, he shifted the ball just outside the area to, to either his feet to get around the player. And I don't know how many two-foot players we've got in the team, but it was just that that utter ease on the ball and his ability to shift it between those two feet was awesome. But yeah, that shot was really unlucky. I was up. I was already celebrating in the living room. I was dancing around and then I'd sit back down. Looked a bit stupid, but it was a great effort. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. And he did add one shortly after that, didn't he, Chris? Where Well, not shortly after. I think it was actually might have been the second half. But anyway, no, it's still, still first. Got it onto his left foot that time. Tried to curl it around the defender again. Didn't curl quite so much that time. But, you know, if he carries on playing like that, it'll, it'll definitely contribute with some goals, won't he? Oh, it, w- it won't be long before one of those goes in. I mean, that, the, the first one that you've just described was an absolute sensible soccer one. I mean, how you can possibly get that degree of bend on a ball, I don't know. Um, and he, he really, really made heart work. Um, he, he was very unfortunate not to get at least one goal yesterday and probably more. Um, really, really impressed with that directness because we've lacked someone doing that for a while with the possible exception of MacArthur who some of us of course have been calling for to be dropped and I think that's probably something we need to talk about as well yeah almost certainly um yeah um but I mean I'm gonna ask actually I'm gonna ask you this question DR what what's Max's strongest foot is he left footed or right footed he's I think he's both footed if that that's simple but if you want to talk about Max getting goals I'd I really wouldn't expect much. Like yesterday, I know we saw a couple of close chances, but Max is not known for his goal-scoring record. He's only scored 17 goals in 146 appearances for Schalke over five uh, at his time there. So it's not like he scores lots of goals. I think his playmaking is his strongest attribute, and I think we should rely more on that. Uh, I'm expecting lots of assists from this season, but not that many goals, to be fair. I just think in the in the positions he's taken up for us, he's going to be a threat in there because, especially if we continue to play with Zaha and Townsend as as, as the strikers, because they do keep peeling wide, and he's going to find himself pretty far forward. You know, if MacArthur's going to be getting goals and getting chances, and Coyote's going to be getting chances, then then Max is going to be as well. And he he just seems to have that ability to put it away, in in my view. Um, really does like to sort of have that shot where he curls it outwards to inwards into the inside the corner but we'll see it was uh, obviously one game where he's had a couple of really good opportunities but superb early signs from him and, and he really grew in strength through and into the further into the half 
interestingly, that second chance with the left foot, it was actually you had a driving run during that with, with um, from Luca, and I think probably the last major chance of the first half was a volley from Luca. Now that if that if that if uh, if Kevin Long doesn't decide to risk himself brain damage by getting his head on it, that is going to be. Goal that's, of the season, yeah. in my view. That's just how I can't imagine. Like, it, I've done that for Andres as a goal. Imagine what if Luca put that in. That would have been unbelievable. That was so... I, I, think, it, it, I think it was going on target. I think you'd still be talking. I think it was going on target. I think it's oh, still... Every time, every time you talk, you talk over me. Go on, Hambo. Let out. <laughs> I think it's to make a silly comment. It's all about timing. <laughs> I was going to say, you'd still be typing your message now. That's oh. what it would have been. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Well, doesn't that matter. was going on target, definitely. But yeah, that was a good block. But I can't imagine. I just don't want to imagine it. That would have been ridiculous. I would have been run out of the stadium or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was beautiful. Simon. You tricked him. I said Simon. You he tricked you. <laughs> put, his, put his hand down directly after I said his name. Does he oh, realise he's sorry, I'm there. I'm there. Sorry, I was speaking away. I, I couldn't believe it. No, I was. I was shouting Guapalapa. That's when when I saw that hit. I was shouting that's, the word. I thought it yeah, was that's a spirit, mate. That was going to be a Guapalapa right there. But oh well, we we had one still, so no worries. So we all worked out fine. <laughs> worked out fine then. That's true. It's, that's uh, true. For me, the the thing it says to me is it's about technique, but it's also about Luca getting back to his best and. You know, Chris. Funny enough, because because I had to watch the game on a, um, I'm sure entirely legal stream. Um, one of the the commentators was going on about how you know of all the players in our team, Wilf aside, Luke was the one who could would feel at home in a in a top six team. And, you know, obviously he's been an absolute sort of superstar for us since we got him, and then he had a, he's had a little dip of form this season, but he's back in the international fold now, and he's he's back playing alongside players that seem to complement him that a little bit more. And we are starting to see him back to his best, aren't we? As we've said before, he missed Kabai terribly. Um, and there's obviously been you know, some kind of a psychodrama going on with his um, issue with the international team as well. As you say, back in the fold. Um, and the increased confidence did show. I mean, in that, you know, almost guapalapa, etc. Um, you know, but there was still the odd misplaced pass. He's still not quite at the level that he was before but you know I mean if, if he can uh, recapture that and it does look like having a stable midfield team around him in in the form of Coyote um, and Maya, I think there's there's every reason to be optimistic for the rest of the season that we could see him back at the level that he's, he was at consistently for a season and a half before now. Of course if we're talking about Luca though it would be rude not to mention um <laughs> Slightly later in the second half, yeah. he's had a, he's had a bit of a moment, isn't he? I mean, as I've said in my notes, he's not a finisher, um, so almost worth leaving it there. But he got an opportunity; a shot came in, deflected to him. Didn't once lift his head up, unfortunately, and ended up dragging it well wide. It's unfortunate that would have capped a good performance, wouldn't it? So, and it's a product of again the fact that you've got to be in the right position, um, which he was. Our shape was right that time. Um, he was he was. You know, well placed, but as you say, completely scuffed it. It went, you know, right, well wide at the post, and that that one will be one of the outlying ones on that shot shot mark uh, shot map. 
yeah, for sure. It'd be one of the widest uh, from the closest in, unfortunately. Um, moving on to some other chances. I've, I've ended up picking probably four of Wilfs from the second half. Um, I could have picked a whole lot more. There was, obviously, we know we had 29 shots, but there was all sorts of other stuff going on that didn't even result in shots. And on another day, and another type of show plan, if I'd done my usual type of show plan, we'd have had a, a six-hour show today. But Wilf... Um, so first chance of his that I wanted to talk about. He, he got down down the left, initially misplaced a pass. Um, so this is very early in the second half. Ball drops back to Max Mayer. And he doesn't really even look, just plays Wolf straight back in on the left with a nice calm pass. Uh, Wolf uses those dancing feet of his, gets a shooting chance where perhaps not many other people would. And it's genuinely a fantastic save from Joe Hart. He gets fingertips to it the diverter over the bar. You can see Wilf's face afterwards, but a couple of things I wanted to point out from that. Obviously we've talked about how great Max was and it's just having that calm head, but I really felt Burnley had that fear of Wilf. It wasn't, they didn't sort of overmark him because they couldn't the way we were playing, but they they were definitely scared of him. Um, So let's just talk about the the next chance and then we'll get get a few opinions on on Wilf's game in in general. So the the next chance Townsend sort of nicks the ball in the middle of the pitch and get, uh, gets him behind the defence himself. And you've got him and Wilf kind of either side of a defender with Townsend in possession. He knocks the ball to Wilf and you just look at it. And again, looking at it back with the benefit of hindsight, if Wilf had just played a first time, one, two, straight back to, to Townsend, he's three. But Wilf, he's playing as a forward. He's got to be a bit selfish and he, he's taken a shot uh, that's gone over the bar. So a couple of little incidents of Wilf in the second half there. And Simon... Few people again talk about Wilf saying it wasn't his best game, but got man of the match from the press um, and was involved in a lot of the best things that we did. Um, and as I say, Burnley seemed scared of him. When you when you look at a chance like that, so he's, he's created a chance for himself and, and been held back from scoring a goal by a phenomenal save, and then he's perhaps made either the wrong decision or got a bit, you know, lost his head a bit when he's taken a shot. Is that still? Something that he needs to improve, or do you think him and Andros playing together, they will just get better at that? Well, I think we have to be realistic. If if he didn't have any errors to improve, he wouldn't be playing for Palace. And, you know, we have to accept that. But but I don't think we win that game against Burnley without him on the pitch. I think the fear factor alone in the clubs around us of him being on the pitch, apart from those like Huddersfield that try and smash him off it, will keep us up because it creates space for the other players. Because, you know, effectively, you, you always have, they have a double mark in them or they're giving him too much space or they don't know what to do. And I, yeah, so I think having him on the pitch, even if he isn't the complete finished article, makes a few mistakes. I, yeah, I think he, it's still a man of the match performance in many people's eyes. Uh, yeah, absolutely right. I think perhaps the press, you know, are, are very quick to give the most recognised player man of the match, and we'll talk about who our men of the match were um, in a, in a short while. But go on, Dale, let's you know get on in this debate. Yeah, Wilf, uh, Wilf. No matter how good or how bad he plays. When you talk to opposing fans, the first name they mention is him. They always think he's a threat. So it's always a massive factor having having him in a starting eleven. And sometimes I feel like, especially against the Tottenham game, we miss him a bit. I feel like if he would have played that game, then it would have been a different game as well. And that's that's the thing with Wilf. There's this identity that he's a threat. He's always a threat. Like this season, I personally think he could have played. He could play much better, but he hasn't. But the opposing teams still think. He's that good. He's that good of a player, so that's that's a good thing about Wilf. It just gives something else uh, for opposing defenders to think about, and I think it helped us yesterday. As as you said, there wasn't really 
on Wilf, but every time Wilf had the ball, there'll be two or three players that just switched on him. So it just gave other players uh, more opportunities to go in behind. Chris? So just an interesting point of comparison between recent performances where we've been playing top-class opposition and in this case we were playing a team who were down on their luck and clearly down on confidence. You know, Wilf has looked swamped against some of those bigger teams You know, in that they've had three or four really physical brutes and at the same time gifted players and they've had to dedicate four international defenders and defensive midfielders to stopping him from playing. You know, Burnley didn't have that um, and you know it showed. He was absolutely at the centre of everything we did yesterday, I think. And I mean but the, the key thing is you could say maybe he would have done better to um touch it back to Townsend with that with at least one of those chances. But the point I would make is that if you don't eventually get brave and take the shot, then you definitely don't score. And any one of those could have gone in if it wasn't for Hart having an absolutely world class performance in the Burnley goal. So you know let's Let's celebrate what we've got here because I think that this is possibly the start of a key run of games for us in terms of possibly some crucial wins and Wilf will be at the heart of that. Yeah, absolutely right, he will. And, you know, the point I wanted to make where I've seen a few people question whether he was at his best is, for me, I just think he's had that disruption of not being in the side um, through through injuries. and It's just been a bit of a stop-start for him. And I just think, He's, he's still he's he's getting better and he's getting back to himself and I was surprised to see people point at him um, in this game in particular and start almost not being critical because no one was being critical. It's a fantastic performance and we're we're all over the moon and still on our high now, still watching the highlights over and over again. You know, it's that kind of a a feeling and I just thought exactly like you, Chris, that he was he was behind a lot of our best work and but for. Some great saves by Joe Hart and some real bad luck. He would have um, would have got himself at least a goal. And it's interesting. The next chance I picked out was one I, I picked it out for a specific reason because it ends with Super Jimmy Mac Mac attempting an overhead kick, which was my favourite moment of the game. I think. And had that gone in, I don't know what word have I, I'd have invented. <laughs> but <laughs> it would have been, it would have been certainly longer than your word, dear. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that was another good save from Hart, and then obviously he had a real close effort towards the end. You know, PVA plays him in centrally, and he, he beats Hart all ends up with a brilliant curling effort, and it's just hit the underside of the bar. And you know, once again, so going in, it's it's bounced out to Jimbo Macman. Um, <laughs> to give, to give like him a new five thousand name. names, and, um, you can just make up Maka Maka every week. Yeah, yeah and he's. <laughs> Uh, but he's ended up heading it straight at heart when he, you know, possibly easier to still take at the moment and maybe loop the header over. But another great opportunity. But again, you know, on another day that goes in and it's an absolute screamer from Wilf. But but it's, it's it, I thought he was brilliant once again. And um, I think perhaps the most pleasing thing, as, as was kind of hinted at in the discussion there, was that we made good use of the space that he created by by create, by gathering so much attention anyway. And it didn't seem to matter when they did have three or four of him in the box. He still managed to get shots away all the time. So terrific from Wilf. Um, John, I think there's probably one more chance that I wanted to pick out. Uh, yeah, that was the James MacArthur, the Jammer McMacker. Uh, he had an opportunity for a, a tap-in. A great little one-two between Mayer and, and Patrick Van Arnholt. Um and that was a, a cutback. And it was, I have to say, brilliant defending from uh, Charlie Taylor, ex-Leeds, linked with us at, at one point. But great defending from him uh, to get a blocking because MacArthur thought he'd scored. 
Um, and that was just a, a, a feature of the just the massive dominance and the pressure all game. We never let up. Even when the game was over and we, we'd made sort of three quick late subs, we still never let up on that pressure. We just we put Burnley to the sword. And I'm just, you know, in a way gutted we didn't really score the amount of goals that we deserved, but absolutely brilliant. And and I'm just gonna leave that there in terms of the incidents. And unless you gents have got anything that you want to bring up in particular, we can start talking a little bit about rounding up these individual performances, giving our man of the match and getting into some of the listener questions. Uh Good no one. moment of silence. Um, you can have a little think. Anything in your notes, Dale? You wanna... No, not really. We can. Uh, if you're talking about the game, I think um, if you're looking at Max, I know we're going to talk about matters and matches. I think Max had a good game against United, but this game he was even better due to him not taking extra touches, which he did against United. I don't know if people realise, but I mentioned it in a review show last week. Um, I think that's that's a positive to see, and hopefully carries that on against um, that team down there. Next to the sea. Yeah, that's yeah. it down there. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's been told. He's been told about the rivalry. He, he, he understands it. It's a good point to talk about. I mean, obviously, we he, he had an absolutely outstanding game. You know, he was real class. But I think to go from, you know, a, a cup, you know, so he's, he's improving the more more he plays. So I mean, what's what's the potential there, Chris? Where what can we expect from Max Mayer? You know, we we see him pretty much run a game against Burnley, and he's kind of set a, a level there. And people were being a little bit critical a few weeks back and saying, "Oh, you know, he's a poor man's cabai or something like that." But all, all of a sudden, everyone's excited again because they've seen him dominate a, a Premier League football match. You know, first of all, are people getting ahead of themselves? We should be a bit cautious there. But second of all, how much better could he get? Well, this is two performances um, tied together where he has looked like the player that you know we all believe and hope that he can be. Um, before that, I think lots of us would have um, expressed some mild concern about the lack of physicality. You know, I mean, frankly, he looked a little bit more like Johnny Williams than Johan Kabay initially in terms of his performances for us. But you know, he's he's clearly growing in confidence. He's building understanding with the players around him, and you know, I mean. What can he do? Well, I mean, he was playing at an elite club before. He's he's played in top competitions. He's going to do that for us, or he's going to do it for someone else uh, eventually. The question is, you know, how do how soon it is that he moves on from us to a to a really top club, or whether we give him that opportunity in the red and blue. Well, indeed. I mean, let's not let's not start talking about a European tour quite yet. Um, <laughs> but it, but it's early days, Simon. Let's get a little bit from you on. I mean, obviously, everyone seems to have been imp- impressed with with Max, but just a little bit of your views. He's brilliant. I mean, I, I think we were really lucky to get him. He, he's just he looks. He's got the. I know he's a completely different player, but he's got a bit of a Tillian Lombardo in him in terms of being sort of ahead of everyone else on the pitch in terms of his vision and pulling out passes that no one else is thinking about. And and I, I think. The only risk is he's he's a bit too good for us. You've heard from Roy and Ray saying he's really technically gifted, um, and they use those telltale words where um, a modern player, when you hear them say things like that, you think, "Oh God, he's not going to play him." But um, no, I, I think he's brilliant. Sorry, I'm, there's a conversation going on. That's not on, <laughs> not on my screen. That I've just noticed. No, it's just about Europe. Um, we just got comment, and there's been an announcement about um, introduction of the new European competition from 2021. Um, how there's going to be games played on Thursday nights and the winner of that can enter the Europa League. And we just got a comment from a listener 
he, uh, he's, uh, he, um, he was calling Brinsco Eagle. He asked, does this result, result show that unless you really do have strength in depth, then getting into Europe is more of a handicap? I guess be careful what you wish for. Uh, what be wishful comes to mind. Best we just aim to aim, best yeah. we just aim for top half at the moment. And yeah, I, I, what is the expectations at Palace? Realistically, I, me, I expected us to finish at least top half this season. Um, do we think that we still have a chance to finish top half? Or I, th- I think it's it, I think the next few games will tell you that. I think at the moment we've had with the start we've had. Um, you know, as as Chris pointed out earlier, the only team that lost to Southampton, which I, I will never don't know how long it's going to take me to get over that that game. Um, I think there's a few points that are interesting being made there. First of all, obviously the announcement that there's an extra competition. Not sure how I feel about that. I need to digest that. But if it's something that we were to aim for, you, you is Colin's absolutely right to point at Burnley and say, look what's happened to them. And they're not the only ones. You can remember not that long ago, Ipswich finishing, finishing fifth in the in the division. Getting into Europe and then getting relegated is there's other other examples of that. I'm sure Wigan won it, winning an FA Cup and getting relegated. Um, I suppose that's kind of relevant as well. In that, if you've got a small squad and you're a smaller team, the more games you play, the more likely you're going to struggle to keep everybody in the kind of shape they need to be to play at their best. And it's a very unforgiving division, the Premier League. So certainly it adds a, a huge factor in there. I think, I mean, sure, Dyche was kind of getting at it after the game. I think the interesting thing for me is that I think the biggest effect is the way it disrupts pre-season if you're in those qualifiers because you, you all of a sudden you don't get to ease into a, into a campaign, give give a few players sort of 45 minutes here and there and playing against you know Bromley or whoever. You have to go straight into a competitive competitive football really with very little preparation. Uh, and it does seem to disrupt pre-season in, in quite a bad way. And then, you know, though, I think Dyche seems to be hoping, he seems to be hoping that the team are going to kind of rebuild some momentum. But I think, again, squad depth is a factor. But he also talked about, you know, this is the other side of success, that players almost forget what it is that got you there in the first place. And I think that's true of, of fans as well. You, you know, you can kind of forget all those factors that were important and that bit of success that you got. Because as soon as you start thinking too far ahead, um, the danger is you, you take on new ambitions and new practices that, that kind of leave the things that made you successful behind because you don't think that they're worth doing anymore. And that's, you know, the very least that a, a team has to do in the Premier League is fight really hard for every single point. And if you turn up thinking about, you know, you're playing a lesser team and, you know, therefore it should be easier that's the first thing that's the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to start losing those games or drawing those games it's it's a diff- difficult one you know it's about it's probably about a, pod- a podcast on its yeah own all we have to do is just wait three more seasons then we'll go away days to pembroke fc in wales for european <laughs> nights it just it's going to happen soon i'm super excited for it <laughs> yeah. i can't wait <laughs> oh that'll be yeah the teams in it that'll be a bit dodgy though Oh, can you imagine like where would we end up you won't go to Athens in Greece you'll go to like the most I don't know the dodgiest place in Greece or somewhere like, I, think, I think we need to, re- yeah, need to research we'll <laughs> so we need week. to before we start talking about it but yeah yeah absolutely right um, so we were obviously talking about how good Max Mayer was and we did get a, a message in from Mr Cadbury's Parrot again one of our favourite contributors who said how good is Max Mayer um, I think we answered that question before our Worthwhile diversion there. We've also talked about Wilf in depth. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Jake Coyote. 
Um, I'm going to ask you on this one, Simon, if you can. Um, for me, he's starting to become a an extremely, extremely important player in our midfield after ta- it's taken a little bit of a while, like the other new players, to actually get in the side. He's brilliant. He's, he's undroppable for me now. He, he is that perfect foil for Luca playing alongside him. And I know we've sort of slightly sort of talked about it, but for me, Andros's goal, although it was a papalapa, I think I think Czech Coyote's delivery was also worthy of a papalapa as well. It was absolutely, it was absolutely brilliant. Look up, straight up, head up, and he put a perfect ball into the path of Andros. So um, I think it's uh, another guapalapa for uh, Czech Coyote there. Absolutely right, and um, it, it's it's kind of interesting to see. It was earlier on in the season where everyone was calling for, for changes to be made. I think Roy's come out and said in the press conference that he, he felt the need to to keep the players who had got done so well for him last season in the side. Um, but you almost feel vindicated as a fan for for calling for the changes to be made. And I think arguably maybe Roy got the timing right. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't have worked so well if he hadn't brought the taken the time to to bed the players in like he did. I think you've got to respect the man for his his knowledge and his coaching ability, um, perhaps more than we did at the time. But for me, Coyote is a very, very good signing. And again, I'm not sure from inside the club who's who's decided that it was a player worth going out and getting because, you know, he did well at, um, at West Ham and was obviously a very, very flexible uh, player there as well. He could play, I think, centre-back and right-back as well. Um, but for us to go out and target him and, and to, to identify that he was going to add what he has to the, the midfield, I think it's an incredible bit of business if he carries on the way he is. Um, your views on him, Chris? Well, he, he absolutely strengthens the midfield, as we've said. I mean, now Luca has options around him, both in terms of you know the quality of the balls that you see from Max Mayer, but also the real strength and speed that Coyote, Coyote brings. Um, I've been really impressed with him so far. I was a bit concerned after the slightly fluffy start that he made in the uh, pre-season friendly um, you know, in, back in August, but actually he's really grown and emerged in my esteem and I think he's he's going to be an absolute key player. I think Sai hit the nail on the head there in saying that he's absolutely undroppable for us now. Basically the player that Luca was two years ago um, and yeah, he, he's in that position now possibly a future captain who, who knows absolutely and um, so I mean I was going to talk a bit about PVA but I think we've done that really just a quick mention that that was his 30th consecutive game uh, you know he was struggling to get in the side at one point just shows you what an improvement he's made and good to see him getting forward once again also mentioned that uh, I thought Sacco was excellent again very good um, I think getting back to his best I've sort of asked myself a question of has he been consistent or is he is he improving? Did he have, did he have a little dip? I think you know it's hard to answer that, but I think he's a, he's a very good player. I don't want to talk DR. I'll oh, go on DR. Jump in there. What, you, what you do you mean to. by consistent with Saka? Because Saka is a bit of a dodgy topic. When he, he even yesterday, I thought he had a good game, but in the first half he just gave away the ball a bit stupidly, and Burnley could have you know if they were good enough they could have actually made something out of it every game Saka has that odd mistake is that what do you exactly mean by consistently well that's kind of <laughs> what I mean is that that is his consistency um, in that he does that every every week so what, what I was kind of getting at is I I have the feeling and a lot over the last couple of games that he's been really good because he has but then I find myself asking well has he ever actually dropped that standard um you know, or was it just because you know we've we've had a bad run of results? Were we just, am I just assuming that he was 
dropping his standard like the rest of the team. And I'm, and I'm struggling to think of any reason why I would say that he, his performance had dropped in any way because I don't think it has. I think he's, I think he has been consistent. He just hasn't really ever got that that mistake that he has in him out of his game. I think I think when he first joined us before uh, we brought him on a permanent, when he came on loan, he didn't really have that much that many mistakes. And I was surprised myself because I remember Saka at Liverpool. He had an odd mistake or two, and that's why they re- they dropped him because Klopp didn't favour him. But now we're just seeing this is this is what to expect from Saka. It's not bad at all. I'm loving it. It's just, it's just my heart can't deal with it every time he gives a ball away in ridiculous <laughs> moments. But I think this is it really with Sako. It sums him up. He He's a brilliant defender, but you'll have that one or two odd mistakes that could really cost you. And you have to be lucky about it. But, you know, you were lucky yesterday that, that we played Burnley. So it didn't really it didn't really affect us that badly. Yeah, he hasn't tried to back heel anything. And he's playing penalty area for a while anyway. So um, but I want to talk a little bit, tiny little bit about Tompkins because... Um, it's really just to annoy Mike because he did our player ratings and uh, gave Tompkins a 6 out of 10, which a few people have raised eyebrows at. Um, because, again, he got a few votes as, as man of the match on the BBS poll. And a lot of people say, you know, he had, he had an excellent game and what a defender he is. Mike's view was simply, he didn't really have much to do, so I couldn't really mark him much higher. Um, I just only want a, a quick view on that. And who am I going to pick for that? Simon. Again, I think for me, Tom, Tomkins is he's just so Mr. Reliable, isn't he? And I, I don't think Sacco is anywhere near as good as he is if Tomkins not alongside him. So I can see where Mike's coming from by giving him a six because he didn't have too much to do. But that's because his positioning is always really strong. His, his vision is really, really strong. And, and I think, as I said, those, that, those two are, a, I would say, a top 10 Premier League easily partnership, if not a top top six defensive partnership. And we're lucky to have them. Yeah, absolutely right. They are they're a classy, classy duo at centre back there. Um, I'm going to talk to Chris about Macca in a second, since he mentioned him earlier on. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to talk to Dr. about Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So I think first of all, most he had a very good game, excellent going forward as well, much more involved further up the pitch. It was great to see. But just want to throw something out there. Um, and this is totally understandable for a player of his limited experience. I think there were shades of a little bit of overconfidence at times when he was on the ball. He was just that almost a little bit too calm, a little bit too confident in possession and delayed it. And he gave the ball away in some key areas a couple of times. Obviously, he's got that fantastic recovery pace, can always get back to to cover. Uh, any mistake that he does make. But I don't know if you spotted that yourself, Mr. Kernas. Yeah, I kind of did. I think if you're, are you talking about in the first half? Some of, uh, yeah, first I half? think there were about two or three occasions in the first half where, you know, halfway line-ish, caught a little bit in possession, playing a loose pass uh, and getting himself a little bit under pressure being caught on the ball a couple of times. Nothing dramatic, but just a couple of those things where you think, oh, well, okay, you know, you, you've done really, really well there, but just something to be mindful of as he goes. I'm forward. actually happy to see that. It just shows that he's human. I thought you know he confirms after <laughs> after what he, the Ashley Young thing um, last week where he actually missed a tackle and this. It just shows that he's a bit human. He's still young. He's a fantastic. He played fantastically yesterday. Regardless, you know he had that one or two. So I'm not really that fast. As long as it doesn't cost us, I'm not really that bothered. It just shows that he's confident and he's actually attempting you know to do the most ridiculous stuff. So. I'm happy with that. He's pushing forward. He's helping us both defensively and going forward. So 
I'm I'm all for it. You know, just keep doing what you're doing, and every player will lose the ball. It's not like he's Messi. He's just a young boy from yeah. Croydon who managed to make it through to Palace due to injuries, and he's played fantastically. So just keep do keep doing what you're doing, and I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, you know, I brought it up as a topic because it, it was it was out there. Uh, for me, it, it is it's part of learning. It's something where when he goes back and watches the video, it, those are probably the two. You know, probably when they watch the review video, probably every week so far, he's had to sit there and just sort of shrug and go, "Well, <laughs> that's the rest of you." I sit here later. I didn't do anything wrong, uh, but at least this week he can look at it and look at those couple of moments and think to himself, "You know, well." What you know, if I could do that bit again, that little moment again, what what would I do differently? And um yeah, he's been he's been absolute phenomenal. Um again there was a great tweet that went around during the week from I think Marvin Squawker or someone like that. Just a little review of his statistics since he started playing in the Premier League and it's absolutely insane. I mean, first on tackles, first on interceptions, I don't know. It's it's just mad uh, how good he's been. And long may it continue. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting point to bring up. Chris, we're going to talk about Matt Macca. I I had a bit of a moan recently, and I'll be completely transparent. On one of our chats the other week, I said I'm about done with him. Because um, he for me, I've always... If we were to have a, uh, an out-and-out striker available, it's him who would I would take out of the side. It's always been that, that way recently. Because I, I see it as a 4-3-3, a four, three, three, if you like, and the 3 being... Coyote, Naya, and Luca. So MacArthur would come out, you'd have Zaha and, and Wilf with the striker. But, and this is not the first time he's done that, he's absolutely rammed it back into my stupid face because that was an absolutely vintage display. He was just terrific. Nine, well, 78 minutes he played. Constant energy, constant running, real danger up front, quality on the ball, and he really seemed to enjoy the, the way we played and went about that game. He was absolutely brilliant uh, yesterday, but I, th- I think you, you shouldn't be too harsh on yourself, actually, in respect of uh, your your opinion on that, because what this demonstrates is that whether a player performs is in a huge amount whether the system suits them or not. And if you're playing the kind of football where you're trying to play it off a target man, that may not suit him in the way that this very fluid for. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you called it four four two, but with yeah, the the um, with the Wilf and Townsend interchanging and moving around in the way they are, and with players being encouraged to run into those gaps, that suits James MacArthur. And you know, he as you say, he looked he looked brilliant yesterday. Whereas he has looked lost in some previous games. He is getting older. He's reaching the end of his career. I would say. I mean, or certainly at this level. Um, but he's been a great servant to the club. He's still got something to give, and. Absolutely, we've we've got to continue using him and playing him when while we're using this system. But if we move to a target man system, then probably you know, I mean, you're not you're not going to drop Maya, you're not going to drop Coyate, you're gonna, not going to drop Luca. Um, certainly not for Macarthur because they don't play an interchangeable role in the team. Um, Macarthur is the one who goes if you make that change. But at the moment, we can't sign a striker till January. We've got some key games, and he'll I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up with a goal in at least one of those. Well, yeah, absolutely. If we can continue playing in this system like this, which again is debatable because it's highly dependent on the opposition, but um, but if we can keep playing this well in this system, then, then maybe there's no need anyway. We'll carry on playing without a striker. Um, anyway, so great performance from Maka. We talked about Luca. 
We talked about Andros. Wayne really could have been asleep for 90 minutes um, and not really anything to mention from the subs either. So in general, that was an excellent performance and a great way to get into the Brighton game. Few too many missed chances, but obviously we're going to gain some confidence from this game and that hopefully should help them. Hopefully we're going to go and give Brighton a spanking on Tuesday night. But before we do that, guys, man of the match very, very quickly round before we round up contact and get out of here. Uh, Simon, your man of the match, please. I'm going to go for my new Palace crush and that's Max Meyer. He was brilliant and long may it continue. Chris? Max? Dear? Wayne Hennessy. No, I'm joking. (laughs) 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 No, after what happened last week. Um, I'll probably go with Max as well. He was just great. Um, I think he had the second most touches. Um, PV had the most touches and yeah, he was brilliant once again and he improved from what? Um, he did against United so yeah it has to be Max Meyer for me yeah Max for me as well um, just a couple of only a couple of messages we're going to have time for we've got Martin he's got in touch to say do we need to employ a finishing coach I'm just going to answer that and say it does kind of seem like it um, and it's not that much of a, a silly comment because um, in terms of you know making it a joke or anything like that because obviously there are specialist finishing coaches out there Dale and Chris with their hands up Liverpool have a throwing coach. Like, if Liverpool have a throwing coach, surely we can have a finishing coach. That, that That's not as ridiculous as that. Imagine having a coach that teaches you how to throw the ball onto the pitch on yeah. the sideline. <laughs> so, yeah, we could have that. There you go, Chris. And if you're going to play a style of football that doesn't have a main striker, then you need a number of people who can finish chances. We're making the chances. We're not scoring them. Of course you should get a finishing coach. What a brilliant idea. Well... You've got Mark Bright at the club. <laughs> Maybe he can pop in and show the boys a thing or two. Um, final question. It's a big topic, uh, but we'll make it as quick as we can in terms of the, the time we have available. Uh, Lord Joe Lee has got in touch and said, what was more important to the win, the return of the HF or the Eagle before kickoff? But I'm going to use that as a, as a sort of kicking off point just to quickly talk about the fact that the HF returned. So, um, great to have them back. Absolutely. If it, there's people out there at the moment who, and I, and I, you know, it's a topic that is quite emotive and there are some people out there who are directly affected by the introduction of the new singing section where I understand their, um, that they're, that they're upset with the situation. I think perhaps the, some have lost perspective to some degree. Um, in terms of ownership of seats and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, it's easy for someone who's not directly affected to say that. Um, and I, all I can really do is state state my opinion, and that, and that is that what's what's done, it's, it's done. So it's important as supporters we get behind what is happening. And if anyone out there is trying to convince themselves that the HF made no difference because let's face it, first of all, this is not just about the HF. It's about everybody who wants to see a return and then an improvement on the atmosphere we did generate because let's not lie to ourselves. And all these people who say, oh, before the HF, we used to create an atmosphere, blah, 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 before doesn't really come into it, right? Since our our most recent run of success came when we had an organized group of fans who generated an atmosphere that, that, people were jealous of and we were proud of and we started 
to considerably lose that. And we went, and it wasn't just about when the HF left the ground. It was they were struggling before that. You talk to the boys, they'll tell you it was becoming soul destroying for them in that position because they were losing so much noise straight out of the ground. Um, and people weren't joining in. There was the, the attitude in the stadium became more about frustration about not winning games and more about moaning about this and moaning about that. And we lost that never say die spirit. We lost that thing from the, the, the crowd where we sang when we were winning or losing. We always, we always just sing about it, you know, particularly away from home. You know, it was, it was, it was brilliant to go away from home and take that. The same atmosphere was was in both grounds, you know, in our home ground and and away. And we'd just we'd talk, we'd sing with pride that we backed our team no matter what happened. And we lost it, okay. And that happened before the HF went. And then then they went because they weren't able to to address that situation. And it suddenly become really personal to a lot of people. And I understand why that's happened, but so many people are chiming in who aren't directly affected and just want to create a problem. And, I, and I'm I'm frustrated watching it. But what I'm really glad about is that there's been a bit of bravery there that, we, you know, it's going to cause a bit of pain. And I really hope that those affected can be can be compensated and, and can find a way to still enjoy being Palace supporters and getting behind their team. I really hope that that happens. But look at the difference it made yesterday. And yes, you know, it wasn't consistent, but you've only got 65 of the of formerly a couple of hundred people, um, if not more, that could get back in the stadium. So, and I think those guys gave the rule, and it certainly lifted the place. Um, and Dio, you were you were there, and Chris, you were there. Surely, I mean, Simon's got his hand up first, so I'm being a bit rude, but you guys experienced it. It was better, right? Um, yeah, I think it was better. I think the main thing is that throughout the game there was constant singing so at times so far this season um there's you know sometimes for a little period of time we'll stop singing it'll be pretty much quiet but yesterday throughout the game there was constant chanting and i think the style of football helped but the hf helped massively as well it just it just i, I don't i don't want to say it like this but we we kind of follow the HF in, in in terms of chance before no one really there'll be a small section that you know that try sing but the whole stadium won't follow whereas like the drums and the HF singing actually uh, you know, amps the crowd and I think it encouraged more people to sing oddly enough if that makes yeah. if that makes any sense no, it, it does and look that part of that is and again I think if people knew the effort that those guys go to to actually you know, properly research and develop what they do. Because, you know, they go they go what go and spend time with other teams. If you look at the some of the biggest clubs with the most fanatical followings around the around the globe, they all have that organization. They all have that group. They all have sections where you have that level of support. And it does exactly that. It generates an atmosphere for everybody. It's not anyone saying they're better or worse than anyone else. It's just it's something different. It's something that people can do to create an atmosphere and we are a club that thrived off the back of that and I think really as supporters it's so much more enjoyable when you have that it makes it for me it makes it a better experience and I love being part of that and I just think it's a shame that that's got lost in some people's eyes but as ever it's it's usually the people with the biggest complaints are the loudest unfortunately um, and I know plenty of people are still back in the move and are really glad that that, that the HF are, ret- are back for the rest of the season. Simon? I was just going to say, for, for me, and I know it's controversial, but 
no one owns their seat. And there's four things to me since 2010 that have made us the club we are and the success we've had. And you can't break them apart. One, I think, um, is the HF. The other is Steve Parrish taking us over in 2010. Wilfred Zaha is is the third. And for me, although it's controversial, is Tony Pudis keeping us up in the first season, which was uh, which was a miracle, really. So uh, the HF for us, we, we I think we are... People hate playing against us at Sellers Park when the HF are there, making all the noise right next to the pitch. And I think we, we, we are going to struggle to stay up if we lose them. So I think it's the right thing and it's great to have them back. Chris? Completely agree with everything that Sai's just said, although I suspect that uh, there will be quite a few of our listeners who vehemently disagree with one or more of those points that you've just made. Um, the one thing I would say is, I mean, it, it did transform the experience yesterday it was great to have them back um yes it was a smaller group yesterday um but there there was very clearly still a group in the arthur right at the back um which i think is normally where you sit isn't it hambo um they were um singing you know quite vocally and singing different songs to the hf at times interestingly so you know maybe they have seeded that leadership position a little bit and maybe that's healthy because the whole point is that it needs to be the whole ground singing um i mean i'd actually moved seats yesterday so i was i was in the main stand um which i've not been in for quite a while and it it wasn't that noisy there but there there were two or three of us who were really giving it gusto and when when we did do that it did spread so you know that's what we need to be doing is you know using our voices to back the team there is also obviously a reciprocal thing between if it's a better performance then people sing more um, but yeah, shout out to the Eagle as well. Great to have Kayla back as well. Absolutely. Um, we'll leave it there. I know it's an emotive subject. We've far from covered all the angles on that. We've just given our opinions, and, and I, you know, I acknowledge there is another side to that debate, and there are some points to be made. And I dare say, um, well, I hope it doesn't rumble on. I think, I think at some point you've got to get beyond the point where you're resistant to a change, and you've got to accept it. And and make the best of it for yourself and for everyone. But ultimately, let's you know we'll, we'll park it there for this week, and, um, and 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 maybe talk about it again another time. But uh, but anyway, let's leave the show there. Been a been an enjoyable one. Great to have uh, a show after a win, particularly a home win. That's not happened for a while. Um, going to Tuesday's game against Brighton, feeling very very positive. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you to my panel. Um, DR, Chris and Cy. Thank you very much to Mikey for producing. Um, you can subscribe to our show via your pod, chosen podcast apps so you don't miss a thing. It's only three shows a week, so it's a really good idea if you do subscribe. Of course, if you need any help accessing the show, do let us know. Uh, massive thanks to every single one of you who got in touch as well to help, help shape the show. You can all do the same at home by making sure you engage with the Back of the Nest social media accounts. And also, please visit backofthenest.com as we release more content and continue to develop features. Uh, so we'll be back in midweek. So Wednesday night, it will be the Love Sport live show. We'll obviously be talking about the growing game on that one. Uh, and then later in the, the week, it will be the preview show, uh, looking ahead to the West Ham game, which we'll review on the Sunday. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Let's say what a guapalapa. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, 
we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.